This is Partnership for the Arts Radio. Come join us as we explore the worlds of art. This podcast was recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. And you can find this and other episodes of our talk show on Facebook and our website at partnershipforthearts.group.org. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Partnership for the Arts, where we talk art. So glad that you could take the time to join us here for part two. Yeah. So how about we get started? Nanette? Hi Dave, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I got a refill on my coffee, so <laughs> feeling blessed. How about yourself? I am great, and I am really excited because we are going to be resuming our conversation today with Bill Olson, who is the new drama teacher at Charlotte High School. So, let's get going. Sounds good. Bill, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. It's my pleasure to be here. We had left off on part one when we were talking about your first season at the uh, Charlotte High School as the drama teacher, Bill, but we've got a lot to cover. So, Nanette? Yes. Next question. Oh, well, I hate to leave that topic. I still have so many questions. So, okay. So there's just, there's just so much, so much to talk about, about your background. I mean, you really, as as we were talking before we started the show, you bring so much to the table here. So... Let's start with your New York City ballet experience, because that kind of ties in with the schools also. That was very early on. Um, And I just have to say, just to pick up on what you just said, I'm really thrilled to have landed here. There's something about whatever brought me to this community, and I just am thrilled to be here at this moment in my life, at this moment in my career, and, and having come from education and the professional world, to be back in education, as challenging as it is to adjust to the dynamic of high school level, I wouldn't be here but for the fact that after I've seen what this program has produced, and I realized that even though we aren't officially a performing arts high school, we have a tremendous facility. Yes. Tremendous. Right. We are so blessed to have the facilities that we have at that school. There you go. And so the opportunities for the students are so rich. And every day I get up, I go, that's my motivation. Right. What can I provide today to enrich the students to appreciate theater in general, but the facilities that they have, the potential that they have, an opportunity. Yeah. So I'm blessed to be, have just tripped, I didn't know anything about this area. Okay, so where were you before here, Bill? Um, on the East Coast of Florida. I've been, okay. I've been, I'm originally a New Yorker, born and raised in New York, which is why I ended up at the Valley, we'll get right back to that. But I've really only ever lived, other than my touring years, I've only ever lived in South Florida, Southeast Florida, Broward County, or New York, back and forth, right. back and forth. And I came over to Sanibel Island once many years ago, vacation, a vacation or two, but I didn't know anything about Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, Northport, this whole general area. And I was looking to relocate to the West Coast, and I was thinking, where why? 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 Um, because I was, being a New Yorker and having lived in Manhattan, when I first moved to South Florida, um, it was a respite. Now, Broward in my in Dade County, I am too old for that now. That area has grown up, traffic, all the things that I had lost my patience about from Manhattan has arrived in Broward, Palm Beach, Broward, and Dade County. I needed, yeah. I needed to seek something in these latter years. I needed a little more peace and quiet. So I started surveying the... By Gulf the way, Coast. Bill's not like a hundred years old. <laughs> 
I started surveying the Gulf Coast. And just because I was traveling from the Naples Fort Myers area to go up to Sarasota, I crossed the bridge at Peace River and Charlotte Harbor. And I was like, what is this place? It was just some feeling I felt when I crossed that bridge. And I thought, oh, let me stop here and figure out what this community is about. Well, what do you know? And here you are, huh? Isn't that funny how Be that happened? Because I just got a feeling from the water that in that, you know, well, you know, as you go yeah. over that bridge in 75 Absolutely. or on 41, yeah. your sense, of course, 75 is easier because you can see 41, the way the bridge is, you don't really see the water so much, but from the 75 overpass, you can see Peace River, you can see into, into uh, downtown 44, and I said, ah, this is special. So I did go up north and then backtracked, uh, you know, this area, and here I am. Um, so I am thrilled about that. So, so, we see about getting back to... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Your New York City ballet sure. experience. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the, so the ballet. So when I was first out of undergraduate school, um, I left grad, uh, left my BFA and started uh, in the summer. Your BFA was in what? Um, my BFA is in design and production. Oh, wonderful. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. So I have my, we had, I went to North Carolina School of the Arts and also to University of Florida Gainesville. And we had to declare a major and a, and a minor. Um, so scenic, I had a mentor who was a scenic designer. And he was the one who taught me how to draw. I mean, not so much taught me to draw. He put a pencil in my hand and said, do this. And he said, do you know you can draw? And I said, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> so it was a talent that I just wasn't fully aware of. And so I became a design student under his tutelage, and then I got a scholarship to North Carolina School of the Arts, and they required us to study either lighting or costume as a, as a full-fledged mate, a minor rather. So I picked costuming, because I knew nothing about it. And lighting, I had done some lighting work in community theater when I was still at undergraduate school. So I said, let me pick something I know absolutely nothing about. Always learn something new. I like it. Right, exactly. And studied and worked with some designers. The North Carolina School of the Arts staff are working professionals. So there are most, many of them are New York City designers and they come down and they teach in North Carolina for a part of the year and then they go back to their jobs. So I got to work with some very high level costume designers in particular um, who worked professionally in New York, who worked on movies, who really knew their stuff about design right. elements and I just soaked it up like a sponge. Um, so when I finished my BFA degree, a lot of my colleagues were sort of looking at, well, should I go into graduate school right away? What should I do? Um, I just happened to work in the, the summer immediately after graduating. I worked for a director who lived, a wonderful woman, her name was Yvonne Garib, and she lived in Brooklyn and was a director. And she said, come. I did a show for her in the summer, and she said, come to New York. And here's the weird part. I had been born and raised in New York, but I'm the youngest of my siblings, so I never lived in Manhattan. My dad worked in Manhattan at one point in time, and then he moved his offices out to Long Island. But I had never really been in Manhattan as a child, but I'm born and raised and lived in Long Island. So I know the city, I know the, I've been to Brooklyn many times. So anyway, a lot, Val lived in Brooklyn, and a, call, a teacher of mine from NCSA, North Carolina, who was a painting teacher, she also said, Bill, come to New York, I'll get your work. Her name is Rachel Keebler. And so I said, you know, when I worked for Von Schitt, so I said, I'll go to New York. And I called Rachel up and I said, hey, Rachel, guess where I'm at? And I, she said, where? I said, I'm in New York. And the very next day, the phone rang with work. Very next And so started assisting. Okay. Hey. You know that's not how it usually happens. It's who you know. Right, exactly. If you have good connections, it should be. Well, that's true. <laughs> that um, yeah, so I started assisting set designers, Broadway set designers, off-Broadway set designers. I started painting scenery professionally in New York. Um, and then I needed something a little more steady and regular. And I was 
you know, Rachel, one of Rachel's, Rachel's best uh, gal friends from college, was happened to be the administrative director of education for the New York City Ballet. Her name is Michelle Odette. And so she said, I want you to meet Michelle. Michelle's looking for a techie person. She needs to expand her program and she needs someone who can roll out dance floors and drive a tech vehicle and go take education programming to the tri-state area. So I said, okay, I'll meet Michelle. And Michelle and I met, had lunch in Lincoln Center and we just hit it off like we were old friends. And I said, I said, you know, I'd still like to do some of the production work I'm doing. If this won't preclude me from doing that, then I'll be happy to take this position. So I ended up joining the education department for the New York City Ballet with zero knowledge about ballet, zero knowledge about dance, but a lot of knowledge about technical theater, which right. is what Michelle needed. And over the course of my five and a half, six years there, because I had my little badge like I'm wearing today, our little City Ballet badge allowed us access anytime we wanted to walk into the New York State Theater at the stage door, show the stage door Johnny our pass, and get up to sit in the staff box and watch any performance. Oh, wow. wow, that's wonderful. And I started because I knew nothing, and this is, you'll get to know me more perhaps, that you'll know this is true about me. I am a sponge when it comes to learning something new. So I said, I don't know anything about this. Let me see what I feel about it. So I went and I started watching the ballet at night. So I would work till five and I would go watch the ballet at night. And I was mesmerized. Mm -hmm. And as I was working with the young dancers and taking the, the lecture demonstration programs to the uh, middle schools in our area. Yes. What kind of program was it? So we would, what actually was that program? It was an assembly-based program. The schools would buy, would pay a fee for the ballet. They could have the ballet. They could, it was kind of like also coming to the mm -hmm. high school, really, quite okay. honestly. I mean, our uh, fine arts people, Ellen Harvey, you know. Oh, Ellen Harvey, yeah. We interviewed her. She has done so much for that school system. Oh, yes. Wonderful lady. She sort of does her magic. <laughs> right. And she brings these events to us. The intention is to, to educate. Kids expose, to educate and expose kids to arts and education. So the ballet had a quite developed education program, of which Michelle had hold, held down the fort for many years as a sort of solo type entity. But it stemmed from George Balanchine, who came to here from Russia to set up the ballet company. Really? Wow. Yes. His strong belief in arts and education and ballet and education. So Michelle was the steward of this program, and I was her assistant. And we went, schools, middle schools would basically pay a fee uh, with their funds that they would have available to bring our, what we call, lecture demonstrations. A 45-minute program to a school, middle school, at auditorium, and we would load up our van, and I would drive through the streets of Manhattan. Okay, so I gotta ask, how big is this van? A 16-passenger van. Well, try parallel, try parallel parking a 16-passenger van in Manhattan when you have this much space and this big of a car. Anyway, so we would travel to whatever whoever booked us uh, in the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut area throughout the five boroughs, of course, out into Long Island and up into the Connecticut, New Jersey, across the bridge. And we would go there early in the morning. We would do, we'd set up around eight. We would do our lecture dem, and around the lunchtime, we would get back and be back into to the city. And the, the kids the, would go back to the School of American Ballet, and they would work with the company and so on and so forth. So um, I started, uh, just started seeing performances. And... By the way, because the New York State Theater housed both the New York City Ballet and the New York City Opera, which at the time um, was still under the control of Beverly Sills, we, our pass worked to go into the opera. Oh, yeah. So I, on our off-season, when the ballet wasn't performing on the stage, right. I would still go up to the box and I would watch the opera performance. Talk about projection. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It was really extraordinary. So yeah. I loved living in Manhattan at right. that time. It was just a charmed time to be there and to be in a place where I had exposure to all of that oh, amazing culture. Yeah. Um, so that was exciting. So those were my years at the New York City Ballet. And and then you kind of segged into... Well, I segued into teaching because okay. a former teacher of mine, out of the blue, called me up in New York and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working professionally. I'm doing some side work as a designer, as a painter. I'm working, uh, you know, most days, nine to five at the New York City Ballet. Um, but it, it wasn't really a career I intended to have, right. the ballet right. job. And she said, well, I'm desperately needing a technical theater chair teacher to cover for someone who's who's left and kind of left us in the lurch and we need an, uh, basically a part-time adjunct would you be willing to come back to Florida and teach and I said sure as it happened kind of a confluence of, of experiences because I was in a building that long story short was on rent strike we had gone through a horrible situation where they were trying to get us to move out so that they could sell our units for hundreds yeah, of thousands of yeah, dollars yeah, yeah. and we went through a hellacious 18 months and it was so draining on me, I said, you know what I need? Knowing that I probably would never go back and live in Manhattan. I've been yeah. in, back to New York many, many times. Right. But when you give up an apartment in New York, that's it. So anyway, I went to, came to Florida to teach, never intending to teach, and ended up being seven years at the college. So, that and I started as, a, as an adjunct part-time, and then part-time, full-time, and then, you know, and then full-time, you know, and then permanent. And then I went into touring. And the reason and I went to touring. Yeah, the reason I went to touring because the teaching was a, a kind of a detour. I always wanted to be in the touring industry and I never had opened that door. I never had that right connection. So, how did that happen? How did you get your start? So one day, at a time, in the, t in the years that I was at the college, Mildred, who had called me to come and do it originally the favor, she had sense. since retired and another colleague of mine that I love dearly, Joe Capello, he had retired and the department was changing. And I thought mm, that energy was sort of dissipating. And once again, the phone rings and a friend that I'd worked with earlier, many years ago in Summerstock said, hey, what are you doing? We're looking for someone to join a tour. And I went, I said, tour? Tour had always been on my bucket list, you know? And I said, I'm a little old, I'm a little long in the tooth because I was 30 something. And most tour, tour roadies are right out of college. They're uh, like 24. Well, I think it's just exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. How far did you tour? How far did you go in, in all that time? Every state of the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. Oh, wow. Every wow. state of the United States. Um, and wow. so most of my colleagues, the kids, the kids, I call them kids on the bus, they were like 22, 23. And I was 30 or 31 at the time, and I did not reveal my age. <laughs> I was like, I knew I was already the granddaddy on the bus. So the last thing I want to do is be the front of energy. Yeah. <laughs> I had the baby face. And whenever they need to be asked, I sort of shut them off about what, what my uh, age really was. But it hurt. Yeah, I bet. Oh, but it was always something I wanted to do. And right. so I did. Well, I had to start on the ground rows, you know, the, or the ground floor, so yeah. to speak. So what does one start out doing then? I was a carpenter because I happened to be a set builder. I was a carpenter for the, a company called Networks out of the, the D.C. area. And we were doing a tour of Sound of Music. So I did the entire nine-month tour of Sound of Music. So how many performances is that? 400 and some odd performances. Wow. Right. You know, when you hear, uh, you know, climb every mountain for the 400th time and you still don't want to pull your hair out, even though I don't have any. Right, right. Because I guess we've, uh, we've learned that it just doesn't grow back. <laughs> Hi, my name is George Mancini and I listen to Partnership for the Arts and it is a rewarding experience.
and so then I went from there with that same company. And, I, and so, Mike, how long would you stay in a place? Uh, it varied. If we were in a, a community that was uh, had a larger population, we could be there for a week or two. We were not like first out Broadway tours that would go to L.A. or Chicago and be there for four or five, six months. We were uh, more like what they call a bus and truck touring. Our largest stay in a community was probably two weeks. We were in the Chicago area for two weeks because right. it's a, a, a metropolitan area. But for instance, we would come to the Barber Man, we would come to the theater in, T in Tampa Bay, and we and we go down to Naples. There's the theater in Naples. So we would, and we would go over to, to the Kravitz Center in Palm Beach right. and the Broward Center, and, and so we would hit these locations. Florida was a, Florida was a huge mark. Once our bus arrived into Florida, we pretty much were there for five or six weeks because we hit all the major cities right. and we were there for about a week. Right. When we would get to a place like in Idaho or Wyoming, we'd be there for a night or two. The population didn't support being there for a week. But it was an exciting, I can't tell you, I, I'm so grateful how, how that I did. How long did you do that? Well, each tour is about nine, nine and a half months. And it means being away from home and family for all that time. Um, so I did the Sound of Music tour from the very beginning, meaning the, from the rehearsal period into the opening, uh, I think our opening was in Dallas, if I remember correctly, uh, or that might have been the opening for Cirque. But anyway, um, so we had our we had our opening, and then we would run for nine or nine and a half months, and it was so it'd go pretty much from fall to May, okay, or end of May. I clocked about four hundred and thirty some odd performances of Sound of Music. So, um, and that means putting the set up, taking it down, putting it in the truck, driving to the next city, unloading the truck, putting the set up. Taking the truck, uh, doing a week of shows, taking the set down, putting it in the truck, driving to the next city. So it put this, yeah, and you, you know, you work with all the union stagehands, you get to know the guys. Right. And I got to the point where going from city to city to city, I've been in many cities many times. So you walk in the next year's tour, and the guys, hey Joe, how you doing? You know, they know who you are. And Isn't it all just a blur in a lot of ways? Sometimes I kept yeah. a I kept a journal because I wanted to record my feeling, my experience of it all. So. Um, and I still, I go back and I reread my journals now every so often. I don't, I'm not a big journaler, so to speak, period. I felt it was valuable for my experience. Now, you toured the UK too, right? Um, yeah, that I got the call to go to Europe and work for a German-based theatrical company who produced, their big hook was to do American-style musicals, American actors, okay. for a European audience. In English? Well... Somewhere actually where the dialogue was translated in German and these New York and LA actors were coached how to speak a language that they didn't know oh how to speak. Oh my gosh, for an entire... For a play, but just the dialogue. Okay. The music, so like we did West Side Story or Evita, and so they do some of the dialogue portions in German and then they sing the songs in English because even over in Europe, in say Austria or Germany or the Czech Republic, wherever, yeah. they get used to hearing the music in its, Amer in its English version. Right. So I did, uh, I stepped in and finished the tour of Thane, the musical, before mm. it came to Broadway, actually, with the Broadway crew, the Broadway directors and choreographers. We were basically workshopping it over there in, in Europe. And then it came from Europe, it did some more work here, and then it went to New York. Um, so then the following year, I did two years of Grease, the musical. So in Grease, the musical, uh, once again, I clocked over 400 some performances of Grease. Okay. Amazing. This is all, well, this is a blur to me, just talking about all of this. Right. <laughs> but uh, short on time. Right. Well, short on time. And I want to hear about your Cirque experiences. Excellent. Well, sure. Cirque, well, Cirque actually began at the company that did Sound of Music. Um, the second year of that, of Networks, they, when I moved up from being carpenter to being production stage manager, Cirque du Soleil was just hitting it big, really 
It was just a new entity long before all these shows that are in Vegas. And so this producer wanted to capitalize on that phenomenon. And so he sort of cast out his net and said, who do we know that has this, these connections? And a gentleman named Neil Goldberg, who happened to be doing shows in the, in the Atlantic City area, was introduced somehow to this company. I wasn't a part of that part of the process. But anyway, Neil became the artistic consultant. And this networks, these networks uh, organization put together a show called Cirque Ingenue. It was written specifically for them, never been done before. Had a storyline, basically told the story of a, of a turn-of-the-century circus tent and, and some girls who were doing an act. And then they weave in some magical elements and all this other stuff. Um, and Neil was the consultant that provided all the acts because he had those contacts. But it was directed by a gentleman from Philadelphia, a real um, Broadway-style director. It had a score, Kitaro, the New Age composer. Some people might. Uh, he wrote the score, and uh, it was designed and lit by professional Broadway lighting designers and set designers who won on many Tonys in their careers. So it was a really a uh, high-skilled production. And it brought Cirque performances to a theatrical touring market when Cirque du Soleil was still working in tents out in field. Wow. And so we were coming into theaters wow. with fly loss and all that. That was our, so I did the Cirque Ingenue tour for networks. And then I went on to, like I said, then I went to Europe. And many, many years later, when I finished with Europe, Neil happened to call me out of the blue and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I just got back from being away for three years in, in Europe. And he said, well, our company is expanding and we need, you know, we want to do tours of our own and I need you. I need somebody with your background. So come into the office and talk to us. And I went in and it was only because his uh, uh, office assistant, uh, the woman who sort of was his right hand, happened to save my number and name in a file cabinet. Back in the day. You had files. And little Rolodexes, Papers. little Rolodexes, yeah, exactly. like anybody remembers those. <laughs> right. So when they were having a meeting apparently the week before he called me and he said, what was the name of that kid? Kind of, you know, losing his hair and yeah. what was the name of that kid? And, and Wendy was like, oh, let me look it up. Phil Olson. So they called me out of the blue. I happen to still have the same home phone number. And um, I worked for Neil, and I did event work for Neil, touring work for Neil for 10 years. You know, Bill, one of the things about talking to you is that you are so enthusiastic about every every stage of your life. Mm-hmm. You know? I've been fortunate and blessed. There you go. To have an amazing you know, opportunity, set of opportunities. You know, as enthusiastic about teaching our students here in Charlotte County. I do try. But that's kind of rub off. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I hope so. Some days I wonder, and then other days I don't wonder. Some days I get the feedback, other days I wonder if it's sinking in. You never know. But I know what my high school teachers meant to me, my college teachers. Yeah, so true. I yeah. do remember. Well, they'll remember you, Bill. You offered them so much. Yeah, really one of those people they remember. I hope so. I'm excited to create so. wonderful things with them. So, can't wait to see uh, what you got coming next year. What you got into the woods right now. Into the woods. Into the woods. Into the woods, and then you're going to be doing Arcadia. Right, also. which is a very, kind of not, not risky necessarily. It's just a very contemporary comedy, British comedy. It's very educated, it's very um, intellectual. It is. Esoteric. Very so, but it's fun. Yeah. It'll be a challenge. So, well, listen, good luck to you. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah thank you. My pleasure. For coming on the show. Oh, yeah. Thank for actually deciding to call this place home. Well, I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you so much. It's great. We're really excited. And everyone, 
out there, thank you for joining in for part two of the show. Yeah. And we will be getting back together soon where we talk art. Yeah. Um, yep. You take care, Dad. And Nanette, till the next show. Hey, hey. Talk this is Partnership of the Arts Radio. Come join us as we explore the worlds of art. This podcast was recorded at the Visual Arts Center in Punta Gorda, Florida. And you can find this and other episodes of our talk show on Facebook and our website at partnershipforthearts.org. <laughs>